0: Hello, you guys. I'm Laura Lapp and welcome back to Tentative Expert. I am so excited to be joining you because we are talking all things Barbie and Oppenheimer. I Absolutely loved both of these movies. They both wildly exceeded my expectations. They have become easily two of my favorite movies. I found them both so engaging. I was literally on the edge of my seat, eyes glued to the screen the entire time. And what struck me was the way the message in Barbie carried into Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer provided a perfect example for the dangers of the patriarchy that were subtly raised. In Barbie. Anywho, I'm going to really get into it. I'm going to mainly focus on Barbie because I think it is genuinely one of the most revolutionary feminist films of our generation, maybe of all time. Quick warning if you have not seen these movies yet, maybe wait (laughs) to listen to this episode because there will be some spoilers. So let's start with Barbie. Now, heading into Barbie, I definitely expected it to pack a bit of a punch just because Greta Gerwig is such a phenomenal filmmaker. And I've seen Little Woman and Lady Bird, which she also directed. So I know that her movies are typically quite emotionally impactful. So I definitely wasn't surprised by that. But what I was surprised by was the in-depth analysis Barbie conducted on The Patriarchy. Through sort of silly examples and scenes, they did a really good job of illustrating the dangers of the patriarchy and also what can be gained from a woman-led society. Now before I delve into this, I want to get clear on a couple things. I feel like when people hear the term feminism or feminist, they cringe a little. They think it's this sort of anti-men pro-woman thing. That is not the case and I actually searched up a definition of feminism because I didn't feel like I could adequately, in my own words, articulate the concept. Oxford Dictionary defines feminism as the belief and aim that women should have the same rights and opportunities as men. The struggle to achieve this aim. Also, a definition by Delaney is that feminism is a woman-based socio-political movement and ideology which supports the idea that women should share equality in society's opportunities and scarce resources. So, In alignment with those two definitions, and with my personal beliefs, feminism purports equality for women. It's simply saying that there should be an equal playing field between women and men. It's not saying that women should be better than men. It's not saying screw men. It's just saying that we should be equal. And I am a supporter of the liberal feminist ideology, which believes exactly this. It's not putting down men. It's not about reducing masculinity aside from toxic masculinity. It's simply about giving women the same opportunities and the same resources. You have to remember, feminism originated in the 20th century. And even earlier, but that's when the movement really made a name for itself and became an ideology. And it originated when women had no power. They couldn't own property. They couldn't have a credit card. They couldn't drive cars. Men held literally all the power from top down. Women were only seen as suitable for roles as mothers, caretakers, cleaners. Even saying that makes me like cringe internally. But you have to remember, this actually wasn't that long ago. We're talking like 50 to 100 years ago. So the amount of progress that's been made when you kind of zoom out and look at society from a bird's eye view is shocking. Women really are rapidly achieving equality. And I'm talking about North America. There are definitely areas of the world that are behind in this regard. And we definitely haven't gotten there. I think there's still a ways to go which was highlighted in the barbie movie but when you look at where we started and where we are now i mean women are bosses in today's world it only takes one look at margot robbie she produced the barbie movie with her own production company lucky chap entertainment and then she appointed a female director Greta Gerwig and the movie had not only the biggest box office opening of the year outperforming Oppenheimer which is just crazy and I'll get into that in a moment but it also had the biggest box office opening weekend for a female director in history now let's not understate how huge this is not that long ago Hollywood was dominated by men. In the past 10 years, we've seen such a shift towards women speaking up. And this was really through the Me Too movement and expressing the injustices existing in Hollywood on all levels. From sexual harassment to discriminatory pay practices to women just facing the glass ceiling over and over again. And not having access to the same opportunities and the same rights as men. Barbie could not be a better example of women woman shattering the glass ceiling. I'd say after the President Barbie set, the glass ceiling is nearly non-existent. Now, I'm not saying that women don't Battles, And I'm only talking about Hollywood here. To get to the top, they absolutely do. And I do think we still have to do a little bit more to prove our talents and our ability in comparison to men who sometimes are able to coast a little more. But Barbie illustrates how wildly far we have come. And I truly think it's only up for here. I think Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie have set such a strong example for women to follow. And they've really paved the way. Now, here is what is so crazy about Barbie outperforming Oppenheimer at the box office. Oppenheimer was directed by Christopher Nolan, one of the most infamous male directors of all time. Rightfully so. I'm a huge fan of his. His movies are phenomenal. It features an All star cast, especially with a strong male presence from Cillian Murphy to Matt Damon to Robert Downey Jr. It's a film about war, about power struggles, and about government. It is the masculine ideal of a film, and I absolutely loved it. This is in no way a critique, don't get me wrong there. And it features amazing female performances as well from Florence Pugh and Emily Blunt, as well as many others. But I think it's really interesting to look at how the perfect traditionally masculine film and the perfect traditionally feminine film came out on the same weekend. And the feminine film outperformed the masculine film. That is the most simplistic way ever of putting it. But I think that's really cool. And that's really amazing. 10, 20 years ago, that wouldn't have really happened and wasn't happening in hollywood so first of all just on a practical real world note these two films as films are a huge statement for how far we've come and they are both absolutely phenomenal one is not better than the other in my opinion they're both 10 out of 10 as what they are. But now let's really get into Barbie because I'm literally smiling just talking about it. So Barbie starts off and it's really fun. It's lighthearted. It's engaging. They're in Barbie land. Margot Robbie is just stunning as ever. And it's just a fun watch. So at the beginning we see Barbie land run by women. There's a female president. The doctors are female. The lawyers are female. Margot Robbie. We see her serving in a bunch of roles. We see her on the Supreme Court. We see her interact with a bunch of different Barbies in their professions. It's clear that she's high up in this society, but her role is not defined, which I thought was really cool because I think that's the way a lot of women are operating nowadays. They're not confining themselves to one label or to one job. They're magnates of modern society and they're inserting themselves in their worldview and their intelligence into many different areas. And I think that is exactly what we need. Anywho, As you'll know if you've seen the film, Barbie has to go to the real world, and she gets to the real world, and she's shocked. She, for the first time in her life, feels what it is to be insecure, because in Barbie land, she had no reason to be insecure. She was in this environment of women of all shapes and sizes, who were constantly uplifting each other, and who based their value off of their intelligence, and truly off of what was inside. They lifted each other up and supported each other, regardless of so many of the factors we have ingrained in our day-to-day lives and into our personal philosophies, like the opinions of others and judgment. We see the effects society has on women, and we see what entering the real world and being valued yet simultaneously devalued based on her appearance does to Barbie. And there's this really, really beautiful moment where she sits down next to an old woman on this bench and she tells her that she's beautiful. And the older woman smiles at her and says, I know. And they just smile at each other for a second. And it's so moving and so emotional. And then Margot slash Barbie walks away and the older woman gets a bit of a sad look. And it makes you realize that in Barbie land where women are accepted and loved and it's this real dream world, the Barbies answered pretty much every compliment with i know or thank you or i do deserve this but that's not stuff we hear in the real world so in the real world when this woman answers her compliment by saying i know and she says it humbly and with a lot of self-dignity it's a really moving moment because that doesn't happen in modern day society women aren't supposed to know it if they look good i think a perfect example of this concept and i'm a huge One Direction fan to this day, so no hate, but the song What Makes You Beautiful by One Direction. It's basically a ballad about how women not knowing they're beautiful and being insecure is what makes them beautiful. And I'd be singing this at the top of my lungs it is still a banger and, you know, I'm not taking that away from it. But I think it's a perfect example of the messages that were fed so often as women and us younger girls. I was raised, not by my parents, but by the world, with the belief that I wasn't supposed to know I was pretty and I wasn't supposed to know if I looked good. And if people complimented me, I was supposed to act shocked and super grateful. Quite honestly, I became extremely insecure without realizing it. It's not until this year at 22 years old that I can look in the mirror and say I'm pretty. It's genuinely taken so long to be able to do just that because for the longest time I saw that as cocky or self-absorbed. It's not though, it's just knowing your worth. For the most part we don't see men walking around opening up about their insecurities or if a man gets complimented they're just like thanks bro and kind of move along they're not like oh my gosh really you think I look good and now I'm a girly girl so I probably will answer many things in the future with that type of response but what I'm saying is it's a lot more acceptable for men to acknowledge their strength than it is for women. If you watch any interview with a top CEO who's male, you'll see them stating a lot of their own abilities and talking about their routines and talking about why they're the best, essentially. And they speak with a lot of conviction and self-belief. And there's nothing wrong with this. But the problem is that there's such a double standard when it comes to women. If you see a woman in politics or in business sitting down and really talking unapologetically about her strengths, and saying, you know what, I am hardworking, I am driven, I'm motivated, and I'm smart, it's typically met with a lot more resistance. And I think we're making waves in terms of this. I think that we're really seeing the rise of a culture where women support each other and where men support women. There's really this rise of a culture that uplifts women to their full potential but up until this point because i'm really seeing that shift starting to take place women were labeled as bitchy or full of themselves we just hear all these sayings about women but you don't really hear the same about men if men are super confident or even a little cocky they're usually still labeled as suave or smart or kind of bosses and the same just hasn't applied to women but now back to barbie barbie has this experience in the real world where she's made to feel so insecure and she's belittled and she's shamed and she returns to barbie land completely defeated and depressed and in her absence the kens have taken over now this is such a silly way of displaying it i guess it's very humorous and lighthearted, but this scene was really fascinating to me because the way the kens took over was they made the barbies forget what they were capable of so As they ask them to fetch them beers and to make them meals and to clean up after them, and I'm not saying that's how modern day society is, but again, it's illustrating a point, the Barbies forgot that they were capable of being doctors or of lawyers or of even being the president. They began sort of settling into these roles and just serving the Kens, and we even see with a few of the Barbies, they start actually enjoying it. And they're like, this is so much easier. This is so fun. I'm so glad I don't have to do that work anymore. I think it's a really interesting real-world parallel where women in the past have, and women still do, forget what they're capable of. I wrote a poem a while back about how I think in all women, there's a lion. And there's a lion waiting to break free. And I think that we see women who keep that lion tamed and don't let it out for their entire lives and they end up in situations where they just don't feel entirely fulfilled and they don't feel entirely happy and they can't put their finger on why and they feel like they aren't being true to themselves and like they lost themselves somewhere back down the line but again they can't put their finger on it and it's because as they were told to be small they tamed that lion time and time again until its roar was quieted to a whisper and until they couldn't even remember that it lived within them and then we see women woman who set the lion free. An easy example to provide right now is Margot Robbie herself. She plays a stunning portrayal of Barbie, and she led this entire filmmaking process herself, aside from the help of the incredible Greta Gerwig, who is another example of a woman with her lion set free. And I think a really interesting thing about both of these women is they maintain their femininity, and they don't apologize for it. Greta Gerwig often gets emotional in interviews because she knows that emotion is a strength. It is such a power to be able to feel for others and to be able to empathize. We studied this a lot in political theory. It actually does enable you in many situations to make more rational choices. People look at women in society and think if their emotions get out of hand, so to speak, they can't be rational. But actually, it's proven in multiple studies that the opposite is true. It is also proven in political theory that men have a habit and it's because they're often raised with this culture of toxic masculinity so it's not necessarily their fault of letting anger cloud their emotions in a negative way it has been proven that if there were more female leaders there would be a much lower likelihood of war because they would be more likely and it's because of how they've been raised and their conditioning to see the other side's point of view and empathize with them and see the potential negativity of the situation weighed against potential positivity and make a rational choice. When you look at most wars, it's because there's this extreme quest for power and that quest is often irrational if you look at many wars which were over territory it would have been more cost effective it would have prevented casualties it would have kept both societies stronger and able to support one another to not invade each other's territory but instead this quest for power which ends in a loss of finances a loss of resources and a loss of lives leads both to invade the other and maybe one will win, maybe one won't. Either way, it's a long walk for a short drink of water. Okay, great, you've acquired another territory. Let's zoom out and look at things from a bird's eye view. What does that really matter? If both territories are living in peace, that is wonderful. Why does one need to be more powerful than the other? Why can't they just support one another on a quest for world peace? And that is something I truly don't understand about the world and about politics. And I understand that it's more complex than that, and there are interests at play, but I mean, really, there doesn't have to be. And I think that's something we've been so conditioned to accept and believe, but we're all not going to be here forever, so what does it really matter if one side has more power over another? Anywho, that was a side tangent. Barbie just gets me really inspired. Back to Barbie. So we see these women forgetting their worth and forgetting who they are, and yet, Barbie, Margot Robbie herself, comes back and she remembers what all of them were and she remembers their power and with a couple of other Barbies who also remember, she goes up to the Barbies and in funny ways reminds them of who they are and reminds them that the patriarchy exists and that it has overtaken them and clouded their interests and they snap out of it. And then the funniest thing is the way they regain their power is they make this plot to flirt with all the Kens and go on these dates with them and then kind of switch up who's flirting with who and turn the Kens against each other. And they make a point in the movie, they say, we're going to have the Kens end up fighting each other and they won't be able to remember whose side they were originally on because they were all originally on the same side. And I think this is a really interesting parallel that carries into the film Oppenheimer. Because we see in Oppenheimer, there are all of these men working together to create the atomic bomb. There's Oppenheimer himself. There's Matt Damon's character, the war general. There's all the different scientists. There's President Truman. There's Robert Downey Jr.'s character. All these different influences with vested political interests. But at the beginning, all these characters I just mentioned are on the same side. It's only as the film progresses that we see them start to turn on each other but they're turning on each other because of varying interests for power. We see at the end of the film, Robert Dowdy Jr.'s character, Louis Strauss, was so hateful of Oppenheimer for the amount of attention he got and because he felt like Oppenheimer had never taken the fall for what he created. But what he isn't recognizing, which other people in the film do recognize, and it's why Louis Strauss doesn't attain the political power he hopes to and is voted out, Oppenheimer didn't make the order for this bomb to be detonated. Yes, he created the bomb, so he absolutely had a huge role in that event. But we see him morally grapple throughout the entire film with the implications of his invention. In my opinion and this is my opinion on the film, not necessarily on real-world events, but based on Cillian Murphy's portrayal of Oppenheimer, I think that Oppenheimer let his ego get in the way many times. And I think his quest to be the best scientist of all time led to him feeling a need to create the biggest scientific invention of all time. So when the American government asks him to create this bomb, and he knows that he can do it with the right team, as a scientist who has a quest for innovation and for power in his field he isn't able to turn down that opportunity and we see him growing increasingly tortured and increasingly conflicted as it becomes clear that this bomb is going to be used right up until the end he has a very hard time admitting to himself that it is going to be used i think part of him rationally knows it and yet part of him can't admit it to himself because if he did he wouldn't be able to face himself in the mirror and he wouldn't be able to complete this invention we see this multiple times throughout the film as other scientists or politicians approach oppenheimer and they get angry with him and they say how are you not in support of our actions with the bomb this is paraphrasing and yet you created the bomb And he's never able to articulate what's on his mind, but in my opinion, what he's trying to say is, I created this bomb for science, not for war. And again, this is my opinion on the film, not on the real world Oppenheimer. This concept of men originating on the same side and then turning against one another and not remembering whose side they were initially on is perfectly illustrated amongst the group of men in Oppenheimer. And instead of being faced with girls as they are in the Barbie movie, which is a much sort of sillier and lighthearted way of portraying this concept, they're faced with war and they're faced with power and we see them slowly start turning against one another until they're essentially left standing alone. At the end of the film, the only person Oppenheimer really has on his team is his wife, played by Emily Blunt. So then what happens in Barbie is while the Kens are fighting, it's this really fun, really well-done battle scene that's characterized by dance battles. The Barbies take back over. They've all remembered their power and stepped into it, so on and so forth. Also, complete side note, Michael Sarah as Alan was so good in this movie and i also think he was the perfect representation of how there are many men who actually side with the woman and sexual orientation has no bearing on this there are a lot of men who are rooting for the woman just as much as women are and i think it's so cool and i think it's perfectly portrayed by the character of alan Anywho, so he's been on their team the whole time. So I love how, regardless of the amazing portrayal of female power, there still is a hint of that message that men are part of this too. It's not just women. To go back to that original definition of feminism, it's about equality. And I can already hear the counter-arguments people would make to this because I do understand i can put myself in the shoes of a man sitting in that movie theater and i can see how maybe you'd feel like the film was really down on men or you'd maybe feel uncomfortable watching it and that's totally fair i think that movies like this that are groundbreaking and that are shattering stereotypes are going to be uncomfortable for some people but i think that's how it has to be because change even of a positive nature is uncomfortable I remember my coach once saying to me, I grew up riding horses and I had this really great coach. And he once told me, and it always stuck with me, if you want to develop a habit or make a change in your riding, but this applies to life, you need to exaggerate that habit at first for it to stick. So then later on, when it's really ingrained in my mind, I could underdo it a little bit and I wouldn't have to think about it and it would just be automatic. And I've applied this to all areas of my life. If I want to develop a habit of working out, I won't Overwork out, but I'll be really strict and overdo the process of getting to the gym. I'll set an alarm on my phone, even if it's midday, with just a little note saying, Go to the gym. And this is why I've learned to be able to stick to habits because it's not the habit itself I'm overdoing, it's the motivation to do that thing and the urgency of doing that thing that I overdo. And then eventually, I don't need the alarm. It's just ingrained in my brain, and that's the routine, and that's what I'm doing, and it's not even hard anymore. Now, you may be wondering why I've raised this point and this concept. This applies to feminist theory as well. And I think this is why a lot of people have had qualms with feminism because they haven't fully understood this. But you have to overdo something for people to hear it and understand it and implement it. So that in the future, we won't need this message anymore because it'll just be the way things are. In modern day society, and it's absolutely not anymore, after recent years and films like this one, feminism was rather dormant. If you go back 50 years, women were settled into these roles in society. They were meant to stay quiet and they were meant to take care of things while the men went out and made change to break those societal norms and to literally change the way society operates and to change people's perspectives on women. That is a fundamental ideological change. You have to make a lot of noise to get that change to happen. It has to be a symphony of women around the world raising their voices. And you have to do things that will set the precedent for years to come. Women 50 years ago, protested in the streets and did these large political displays because to change a societal norm, that's what you have to do. Remember how I said it's not about overdoing the habit itself, it's about overdoing the process? The same goes for feminism. It's about overdoing, getting the message out there. And small theoretical challenges to those around you and to society every single day, which add up and add up to the point where people understand this viewpoint and it's ingrained in their minds and it's just the way the world is. So the Barbie movie definitely displays female superiority. But the reason portrayals like that are absolutely vital is because for the entire existence of modern society, we've seen male superiority proposed and believed as the way society should run so to shift that narrative you have to overdo the message a little bit to hammer that home in people's minds and to make them understand why women deserve equality by displaying female superiority it makes people realize why there should be female equality each gender respectively could do the same things So the point of Barbie highlighting that concept is once you understand that both genders could take on these roles in society and are equally capable of all of these things, that is when equality is achieved. Because one day it won't be, oh my gosh, a woman is taking this role. That's such an accomplishment for women everywhere. It'll just be normalized. And it'll just be men achieving things and women achieving things. And gender won't be a factor. But in the meantime, that message has to be overdone and it has to be highlighted that women are capable of achieving the same things as men. And we know that men are capable of these things. That's undeniable. They still are and they always have been. But society has only focused on that. We have not seen enough examples of how women can do the same. And films like Barbie set out to highlight that. And the reason why I touched on the real world success of Barbie as a movie is because that is a perfect example of women achieving equality. When you look at those two films, essentially at the end of the day, that's a woman-led film and a male-led film in terms of actors, directors, producers, etc. cetera, releasing on the same day, supporting one another, and achieving equal levels of success. At the end of the day, both were smash hits, and they both will be classics, I believe. Now here's the thing, while Barbie effectively highlighted the concept of female equality and the fact that we can run the show. Throughout the final portion of the film, through Ken having a breakdown and not feeling comfortable crying in front of Barbie and expressing how he doesn't really know who he is and he doesn't know his identity without the Barbies and he's kind of been acting out and doing all these things because he feels confused and he feels a little lost and he feels like he can't show his emotions. We even see at the end of the film, and it's a really funny way of showing it, but he's wearing this big fur coat and he throws it off because he realizes he doesn't even want it. He was just wearing it because he thought it looked cool. And then he changes into a hoodie that says, I am Kenneth. Oh my God, it's a good movie. But what I loved about that, and it's so lighthearted, which is perfect, is it highlights toxic masculinity and how the Kens in this movie and men in real life often feel pressured to act a certain way and to act in this way that might be a little demeaning to women and that they're not sure if they agree with. And so many stereotypes of toxic masculinity are raised in this film and they're just done so well because they all make you laugh regardless of your gender. One of the best lines is when he was like, I lost interest in the patriarchy once I realized it wasn't about horses. Ken essentially loves the patriarchy and supports it because he feels comfortable. But he doesn't really agree with it, and this at the end of the film leads to him breaking down a little bit. In the real world, I can understand, and I think we can all understand, why men do hold up the patriarchy. And it's because I think there's such a fear of judgment if you go against that grain. Men, fairly enough, may not want to be perceived as the Alan in modern-day society. They might not want to be seen as more feminine and that's completely okay. As a woman, I understand that. I don't want to be seen as more masculine, and I want to be very clear. There is no judgment whatsoever in that statement. That is just my truth, and that is how I view myself, I guess, and maybe that is close-minded. I'm constantly unearthing and challenging my own views, but I really do understand why men would want to be perceived as masculine, but also are masculine, and that's completely okay, but I want to bring up the concept of a power couple where the woman is a boss and she is independent and she is a star in her own right and so is the man and together they are just a power couple they are this beautiful couple in which both are equals both are powerful and I think that's kind of the way we have to start looking at society it's not taking away from one or the other Women can be independent, powerful, and successful, and so can men. And they can still love and respect each other. I am absolutely not a feminist who's sitting here saying, I don't need a man, I want to do everything on my own, la la la. I'm a feminist, but I'm also a romantic. I really want to get married one day and have kids, and that's the truth. And I love love. Women who love women, men who love men, I love it. At the end of the day, that's personally how I feel. I'm a feminist and I believe in female equality and I believe that women can do everything men can do. But I also love men and I wouldn't want a world without them. And I want them to keep succeeding. All I'm saying from a feminist standpoint is that I want to see women continuing to achieve that same success. I wanna keep seeing Barbies and Oppenheimers. I wanna see a world of powerful women and men who love each other regardless of gender. If our world operated On a foundation of love and empathy which was perfectly highlighted in the barbie movie there wouldn't be conflict truly if people all collectively and i'm talking about world leaders too and i know this is super unrealistic in our current landscape this is not going to happen but what i'm saying is one day down the line if every single person came from a place of mutual understanding and a recognition of the greater good there would be world peace, period. And that doesn't mean there wouldn't still be disagreements because disputes are natural. We're all going to disagree at some points. Everyone has their own internal opinions and ideologies and greed, as ugly as it is, is a characteristic of humanity. And it's something that people have to be aware of and acknowledge within themselves and not let it lead their lives and not let it interfere with their actions. And I think a life lived without greed is a life that knows much more peace just as a world without greed is a world that knows much more peace. Alright, so that was a long-form discussion on Barbie, Oppenheimer, and their real-world implications and messages. I really hope you guys enjoyed. I think both films are so great for the industry and honestly great for society. Both contain really important messages. Barbie needs to be seen for the feminist philosophy it displays, And I think it could not be a better movie for the younger generation to watch and to understand. Also, I think Oppenheimer paints a really accurate and nuanced depiction of American politics and politics at large. And I think it displays the confliction of ego with morality and how conflicting interests in power and war play out in certain scenarios and the detrimental effects that can have and the violence it can lead to. That is the value of history. It's a collection of lessons and experiences so that we can remember those lessons and learn from them moving forwards. History exists so that we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. Anywho, I have a hard time wrapping these up because I just get so excited about what I'm talking about. I've had a great time recording this. I hope you guys have had a great time listening. If you have, make sure to leave a review because it is really important to the sustainability and growth of this show. So please take a second to do that. Recommend this to a friend. I will be back next week with another episode. I am Laura Lapp. This is Tentative Expert. Mwah.